Welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. All right, Jen, it's the beginning of a new year, and with New Year's comes New Year's resolutions, which we pretty much forgotten by week two of January, most of us anyway. But I think it's really crucial that we look at resolutions in the terms of what we can do for our boys, what we can resolve as people who care about boys for this upcoming year. You know, I really like the way you just emphasize the word resolutions and resolve go together. So often with our boys, we are thinking of all these situations that we want to resolve, problems that we're having that we're trying to resolve. So when we're thinking about New Year's resolutions, so often our heads go to you know health resolutions, diet resolutions. I'm going to exercise more. I will eat better. And, you know we are fuzzy about what better is, or career resolutions. I encourage all of our listeners this year. Let's think about some resolutions that you can make, or even just one, to resolve or work towards resolving an issue with the boys in your life. And part of that can be simply understanding them more. And of course, you've written a great article about this. And the first resolution you suggested was to read a book about boys. And of course, you and I are bookophiles, and we've probably got shelves and shelves of books about boys. But what books would you recommend to our listeners? Some of my long-term favorites have been um, Michael Gurian's book, The Minds of Boys. That was one of the first books that I read that really helped me understand my boys. It helped me, first of all, in the print of this book, I was seeing things that my boys were doing and realizing for the very first time, it wasn't just them. It was boys. They had some of these in common with boys, generally speaking. And as a result, there are some common issues that boys, generally speaking, were having. That was huge. That was the intro to me to all of this. So that's one I always recommend. And also pretty much any book by Michael Gurian is going to open your eyes to see boys in a new way. For me, the the doorway was The Wonder of Boys, Mm. also by Michael Gurian. It's a classic. Yes. And he's got a whole slew of them. If you read one, it's very easy to find others that you can keep going with if you want to. Another one that I really loved that I think is very helpful for parents, especially, but also teachers as your boys are hitting those tween teen years is Masterminds and Wingmen by Rosalind Wiseman. Ah, helping our boys cope with schoolyard power, locker room tests, girlfriends, and the new rules of boy world. Eye-opening. That's a great one. Another one I really love is Boy Talk by Mary Pulse Lynch. And we'll have all of these listed in the show notes. How you can help your son express his emotions. And what I really love about this book is that 
she has it divided by ages. So you can quickly just pick it up and go, oh, my four-year-old, my eight-year-old, my 12-year-old. Of course, reading the whole book will give you amazing insights into the emotional lives of boys and how we can help develop their emotional vocabulary. And if you want to take this a step further, read these books at book club style. Get together another group of, or a group of parents or a group of educators. Read the book and discuss it together. And you will likely get even more out of it because then you will be reading and not only you know thinking about it as it applies to your son or the students in your class, you're going to be getting input from other parents and other educators. So you'll get a fuller picture and you're building a stronger community. And that will also benefit your boys as well. And this is a great place to put a plug in for our On Boys podcast, Open Mic, because coming together in conversation around the topic of boys, understanding them, advocating for them, getting your questions answered, we decided that we wanted to host a opportunity for parents and teachers to join us in a lively conversation monthly. You can find our open mic dates and details at our podcast website on boyspodcast.com and click on open mic. Because we can talk on whatever we decide we want to talk about, but let's face it, that may or may not meet your needs any given week. And as you know, I am constantly surprised and caught off guard by the situations I end up dealing with with my boys. And sometimes it's very helpful to have a place to talk about that. Yeah, we need each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What else do you suggest as um, resolutions for people who care about boys? I think it's really important for you to understand two things about your school that maybe you haven't thought about. One of them is, do you know what your school's discipline policy is? And do you know actually how much recess time your boy is getting at school? These are two places where parents really need to be aware of what the actions are at school. And we're busy and we just think, oh, you know, he's fine. The teacher hasn't called me. But being aware, what is the discipline policy and how much recess time does your son get? You know, we're seeing more and more studies coming out about how beneficial adding an extra recess is. Is this a place where you have time to advocate for a change in your school or in your school district in support of boys? I want to separate those two things that you mentioned a little bit, and I'm going to focus in on that recess one right now because it's huge. My youngest son is now in seventh grade, and in our school district, once you hit seventh grade, that's it. No recess. I have advocated, and I've talked to the school, and I will continue that, but... Trust me, I know my son and I know the, the kids he's friends with and these kids could do better if they had time to run off their energy. Uh, I even saw somebody discussing today that some schools have had some uh, success with switching lunch and recess. So in a lot of places you eat lunch and then you go out for recess. Well, a lot of kids just don't really eat, toss away their food so they can go outside for recess. 
that by letting them do recess first, the kids were actually eating better. Nice. Right? Plus also concentrating more in class, able to get more done in less time. There are so many studies out there. And a lot of these are based on experiences in the United States and in other countries. Finland, for example, is renowned in educational circles for their outcomes. And when people have gone from the United States to Finland to see what's the difference, those kids are getting recessed four times a day. And so there have been schools here in the States that have tried to emulate that. And when they did, they found they could get more done in less time because the kids are more focused. Right. Test scores go up, discipline referrals go down. Now, it is not at all easy to advocate for these things at your school. Like you said, step one is finding out what the policy is. How much recess do they get? Um, There's some intersection with discipline policy. Is recess taken away as a consequence for kids? There's a lot of evidence to say that that's not the best technique, but you need to know what the baseline are. From there, you can start digging into what some of this research says. And that's easier to do than you might think. And we can include some some links to things that you can use. Administrators love that kind of stuff. And I'm also going to put some links in the show notes to some organizations that can be helpful here. There is an organization called Peaceful Playgrounds, and they have a right to recess campaign with a free toolbox, you know, stuff that you can download from their website that you can use to advocate at your school. So that's a free resource that's available to you. If this is something you feel passionate about, it's a great place to channel some energy this year. Love it. You know, a lot of moms may, moms or dads are stay-at-home parents and they're looking for something to do outside the box a little bit. And, you know, when you advocate for your own child, you are reshaping the lives of so many other kids. And we need advocates out there. Yep. And these can be great projects if you want to take them on in a group as well. If you're part of your parent teacher association or, you know, whatever you call that at your school, something like um, looking into recess and advocating for recess can be a great use of your time and energy and something that you can really get people excited about. Let's talk about the discipline policy part that you said. Um, Elaborate a little bit more. What are some things that parents should be looking at or asking about? Well, you need to know what the classroom discipline policy is. So, you know, is it one infraction? Are they, how, how is the teacher managing timeouts or are kids getting sent out into the hall? Is recess being taken away? All of these things you kind of want to know firsthand rather than secondhand through your, your, probably your boy when he comes home and he's really frustrated because he doesn't feel heard by the teacher. So what are the steps to uh, that phone call that comes home? You want to know what's happened before that and what strategies are in place before it gets to that. And do you know that in the U.S. there are still schools who allow paddling so you need to know and be clear on, on that. What are the steps towards expulsion, suspension, detention, all of those? And not to say that your boy's going to go down that road, but you absolutely ought to know and inquire what those steps are, what the policy is around that. 
boys are suspended and expelled from school at rates far greater than girls. So these are questions that you really should be asking and thinking about, even if your son has never gotten in trouble at school, even if you are just in the process of looking for schools. You want to know a little bit about the policies because it will help you decide, is this a good environment for my son, if you're in the looking at process, and it can help influence um, your communications with the school and your advocacy for your boy as well. I actually think that January is a great time for what I call a middle of the year check-in for school. Because here in the United States anyway, it's about midway through the school year. So you're past whatever honeymoon phase may have happened. Your kid has settled in, your teacher knows, your student, vice versa. So it's a good time to look at what's working and maybe what's not working and what might need to be tweaked. It's a good time to look at, is this the best educational choice for my son? Why or why not? If it's not, are there things that we can do at home to help support him? Can we work with his teacher? Can we work with the school? Or maybe we need to start considering a different educational choice. Or he might just need a tutor to just help him move through move through a barrier so he can get on to the next level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I love one of your resolutions was about adding activity to your son's day. I would say to all of our days. Right. We, it's an ongoing issue. I know for me and for you, we talk about it of just how do we get exercise and it's cold outside and we don't want to, it gets dark early. I am uh-huh. So good at talking myself out of <laughs> going out and moving my body. So this year, resolve to find an activity that you can do with your boy. You may not love it, but he might. And so how can you do that together? How can you motivate each other to get off the couch and out the door? Or you can find ways to piggyback on activities that you're already doing. So One of the things that I do, I have this class that I take routinely at the gym, Monday and Wednesday evenings. My kids don't do this with me. Okay, one did once, but beyond that, they would be like horrified. But I do put the offer out there. Hey, I'm going to the gym. Anybody want to ride? They don't always take me up on it, uh, but sometimes they will meet friends. They'll play basketball there. The option is, is open and they know that that's open to them. Another thing that I've done to kind of piggyback together is when I've taken my kids to their event, whatever sporting practice or whatever it is, and there's that weird gap between dropping them off and needing to pick them up again, sometimes I'll use that time for myself to go for a walk or something. And so the role modeling, I think, is helpful. And then, like you said, finding things you can do together. And it takes a little creativity to to think of, let's maybe go to the skating rink instead of let's all just collapse on the couch after dinner. But if you even do it once a month, it's a step up from what you did before. Saying yes to some of the stupid sounding things your boys want to do can help here. So often in our desire for safety, we sort of squash the things that they want to do. Like, and I'll give you some real examples of things that my kids have wanted to do, jump shirtless into snowbanks. 
I think that sounds like a terrible idea. But it's active, it's outside, and honestly, it's not going to kill them. When they get too cold, they come in. Fine, go for it. My 12-year-old is currently studying bike tires with screws because he wants to try it out on ice. Again, I don't know how well this will work. It's a little risky. There are things we can do to mitigate the risk, like making sure the ice is thick enough and helmets and, and all of that. But I have to let some of that happen. If I want them to be active and moving, I have to say yes to some of their ideas as well. Yes. And this brings to mind a, a picture my friend sent me one winter. Her boys grew up in Maine. And they're, they were older at this time, but they are jumping snowmobiles over an open fire. Yeah. Oh, my kids would love that. So, you know, kind of open up your view of what is boy-friendly activities. And uh, as you said, mitigate the risk, but don't squash it. They're so creative. Who would have thought to put screws into a bike tire? Apparently, there's this whole thing where people do this on YouTube. Janet, like you follow other people. There's different patterns you use depending on if you're racing on the ice or if you're riding on the ice. So there's a whole world that you and I did not know existed. Sometimes that out of the box thinking can be really, really simple. One time when my youngest was much, much, much smaller, just felt the need. We needed to get out of the house. Like you said, it's the dark time of year. It's the cold time of year. We've been cooped up inside too long. And so I took him out for a walk on a nature trail in town that we love, but I did it in the dark and we took flashlights and it ended up being a magical night. This was probably, it was easily more than five years ago, if not closer to 10. And I still remember it. I mean, his wonder at standing on the river and brushing away the snow and seeing the ice and the shadows was it was contagious. And as much as I didn't want to do this at first, I hate the cold, Janet. Hate it. I could happily hibernate all winter. It ended up being probably one of the best evenings we had all winter. Going out at night in any season with your kids is magical. Being mm -hmm. out in nature, looking up at the sky, or you know, if you live in the city, just being out at night is way different than in the daytime. So take advantage of that. And it's to say, you know, resolve to push yourself out of your comfort zone and take a few risks with your boys and get uncomfortable. It's a great way to connect with them, a great way for them to see you in a different light. Another resolution that you might want to consider this year is to focus on what's right. Sounds simple, a lot harder to put in practice. And even as I'm saying this, I know I need to work on it. But I found a quote when I was reading a book earlier this year. The quote is by an author named Jen Sincero. And it was from her book, You Are a Badass, which is actually very encouraging. And the quote is this, what you focus on, you create more of. And if you keep expecting people to annoy you, they will not let you down. As somebody who lives in a house of teenage boys, that resonated with me completely. Yeah. And it's so easy to focus on the annoying things they do. They give me lots of opportunities to find annoying things or instances where they haven't lived up to my expectations. But if I take a deep breath 
and let some of that pass and look at the big picture, they're also doing a lot of right things. And so shortly after I read that quote initially, I instituted what I called a focus on what's right challenge. And I challenged other parents for a week to try to hold your tongue and not say anything about the negative stuff, but instead focus on what's right. And it really can make a difference. And I would add to that, Jen, to focus not only on what's right and going well with your boys, but also to give yourself some grace and a little pat on the back for what is going well and what you are doing well for yourself. We all need that. We do. We do. It's very easy to get down on ourselves. And when we show that grace to ourselves, hopefully, again, there's some role modeling that our boys can see. They can be very hard on themselves also. I think the final resolution I would like to share with everybody is to take this even bigger. Whatever you learn about boys this year, share with other people. Talk with your parents, uh, your kids' friends' parents, other educators, people that you run into. Share this information. If you find a book that you love, pass it on to somebody else. If you love this podcast, let other of your friends know. Encourage them to listen because the more that we collectively know and understand about our boys, the better we can serve them. And in the end, that's good for us all. Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison. And we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. Hey.